Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we take subjects and try and create some order from the disorder, but more likely we'll create some disorder along the way. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter at InfoEntropyPod, first time I've actually got that right during the intro, or <laughs> uh, Instagram, you can follow us at InformationEntropyPod, uh, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, your RSS feed, your local shop, or your mum's iPhone because she enjoys listening to our voices. Uh, you can also, if you if you can, and there's a possibility of giving us a rating, much appreciate it. It helps us be visible to the wider masses and will help us continue for longer. I am joined today, as per usual, as per every week, with our wonderful guest. <laughs> no, co-host, <laughs> Tom Jenks. Hello, mate. I've been demoted to a guest already. <laughs> Well, I'm waiting for you to get your doctorate and then we can have you on as a guest. Because I think okay. it'd be funny. I'll be waiting. We'll be waiting a while for that. Uh, it will it'll happen soon. It'll happen soon. So in this week's episode, we are talking about terraforming. Yeah. How well, are we feeling uh, about that? Try and keep it maybe slightly less politicky, pol- political than uh, last week. Yes. I think that's definitely an aim but as we said before, and I talked to some some people afterwards, and I was like, and they were, they agreed. They were like, yeah, it's difficult to talk about climate change without getting political because of the way that things are going at the moment. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, that is, like it's is all, definitely, it's and and it's so important because, and even like you know, science informs politics, or it should do. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, it does lead into it anyway, and especially because it's like, okay, we know this is wrong, and we know this is what needs to happen. But getting it to happen is not, on a large scale at least, is not the, it could be the responsibility of the scientists and they could do it, but they need permission or, or the resources, the funding, and that comes from the government normally. Yeah. And if there's times like with Rod Schoonover, who we've talked to, to in the past, uh, they, he essentially made like a, here's a climate report and they went... Yeah, this is all rubbish. We're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. I mean, what do you do at that point? Yeah. And then he he steps down. Good man. Yeah, it was a really interesting one, that. Yeah. Interesting, indeed. All right. Uh, you forgot to introduce yourself again. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it's not, I swear it's not an ego thing. It, I, I think I do this in real life as well. Is it, forget to be like, hello. I'm Mitchell. I'm Hello one of the there. hosts. Because uh, <laughs> I always forget. You may yeah, remember. You may know me from. Uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, I get like existentialism when introducing myself. I, mean, I think we talked about this before, not on the podcast, but I'm always like, "Do you say my name is or I am? Like, do I hold the moniker of Mitchell or am I the embodiment?" Of the person that I am, I just think I it's think really like weird. I think when you're meeting someone, you are overthinking it. If that's the the depth you go into, that's that's why I, I don't like meeting new like, people. Hi, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> like if I every time I just meet someone new and I'm here, do they like? Why are you sweating? It's like <laughs> because I don't know if I, I am know. or I are. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, therefore I am. Like well, I don't know. Yeah. What does it mean to be human? Yeah. 
What a first sentence to come out with that would be. Uh, yeah. Um, well, they'd be like, oh, wow, he's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you run off crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, fair. I, I would just pick one. And uh, even though you're worrying about it, just stick it and just tell yourself it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because if even that's like, possible. Like, in, well, I mean, in, in, in school in the UK, when we taught French, you, you taught like Jean Mappel or whatever your name is. Uh, yeah. Which essentially is, I call myself whatever my name is. They don't say that really. They say like a really shortened version. Yeah. Like I, like je, within their name. Like I'm this. Yeah. So I think I should just go with that. It's like I'm Mitch. Yeah. I mean, why it, not? It, 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 like you get to avoid both catastrophes. Let's put it down the middle. Yeah. Right, that's like a short it. way of saying I am, isn't it? So let's, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't want to say that in case we ended up looping back again. And, uh, oh, I'm stuck. Escape the solution or Help potential me. one. Help me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, if you wanted your weekly dose of existential dread. Yeah, I'm here for you. Welcome. Have a chat. Give me a call and send us a message. I'll bring it up. <laughs> uh, Once you get past the formalities. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. First we even get past them. So... My turn on the news today to not to not bloat our episodes. Um, and today the news is about nuclear fusion. Uh, Tom found this, and it's probably one of the best news bulletins that, that we came up with during the week. And that is nuclear fusion. A nuclear fusion reactor, a reactor in Korea, has lasted for thirty seconds at temperatures of excess of a hundred million degrees. Which is quite impressive. Yeah, a ridiculous number when you think about it. <laughs> it is. Like, it's not something you can go, oh, yeah, I know what that, is, that means. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got like a, a litmus test to gauge how far that is. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you've never kind of been following it, and this is kind of the first time you're hearing it, and you're like, is that impressive? Um, over the past few years, we've kind of progressed from like five seconds. Hmm at like 1 million degrees to now 30 seconds at 100 million degrees. So the, the progress has been made, and there's lots of different, I guess, countries or companies, researchers kind of in a race. Like it's the, I guess it is kind of like a space race. It's the fusion race. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's people want to be the first people to do it because if they can, it's a, such a great, would be theoretically, a, such mm-hmm. a great source of, limitless clean energy practically limitless. yeah especially yeah. as we need it at the moment exactly also, yeah what's interesting about this news is it's not well the duration and temperature aren't records themselves it's them coupled which is the really hyper important yeah. thing is that they were able to get it to such a temp because uh, i think previously it was like this temperature has been achieved but for like three seconds i think it was like it was a very yeah. very smaller number so the fact that it was half a minute was absolutely incredible yeah it's pretty good stuff it'll be exciting to see how quickly it kind of does progress over the next couple of years i know i know they've got an aim of what 2050 something Mm. a couple of uh, organizations like yeah we'll have this uh the industry level at 2054 or something like that so i hope so i hope even sooner well we shall see but i think with news like this more more funding will be put into it yeah definitely well i thought I look at how it works 
because it's all to do with um, plasma or so-called plasma. It's plasma's like the polite name for it. It's, it's very more technical than plasma. But essentially, the most difficult thing about it is controlling it to go around the loop. And because if, if it touches the wall of the reactor, it cools. Obviously, if you're at 100 million degrees and you touch like metal, it's going to dissipate and ruin your reaction and also right. cause massive damage to the reactor itself. So there's a magnetic field that they like tune and create a shape with to funnel it round. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Called, uh, well, some of them use it, some of them don't. It's called an edge transport barrier, which sculpts the plasma with a sharp cutoff of pressure near the reactor's wall uh, that stops the heat escaping. It's just... What world we live in? That's pretty uh, wild. It's... <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I haven't found it into before, and I didn't realise it was like... Like this. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Is, <laughs> so, I didn't realise it was like this. <laughs> um, but yeah it's absolutely crazy to think that's how it works magnets and like a yeah, soft cushion like... of air between 100 million degrees and the edge of the container mm. yeah so others use instead of an edge transport barrier they use an internal transport barrier that creates a high pressure near the centre of the plasma so it like draws it in so it keeps it going around oh, the center okay. instead like of going around the outside. on itself. Yeah. Like a black hole. Because these, like, uh, these <laughs> machines are like donut shapes. We've looked at on the inside yeah. of one before. Yeah. Um, not in real oh, life, no. of course. That would be too awesome for us to handle, I don't think. That would be far too awesome. And this wouldn't be a podcast. It'd be a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would. But yeah, it so it's like a donut be. shape and they keep it spiraling around uh, the inside of the donut. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Madness. Really cool. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. Indeed. All right. Um, I don't have any facts. And maybe that's because our topic is a bit more of a thought experiment right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any facts? I don't know. But okay. that's because it kind of the, it, there isn't a fact apart from this is what it is. So I did search for like yeah. uh, how how what it is, how it works, but there were no facts. Just you know, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you uh, why don't you let us know? This was your topic idea, after all, to uh, ah. head down the path. Okay, so terraforming. Uh, which is either terraforming or terraformation, uh, literally translates to earth shaping. So what actually would be interesting is if you had terraforming, you would, on another planet, you may want to call it something else, unless you want to shape it into something like earth, I guess, because earth is specific to us. So it's the hypothetical process of deliberately modifying the atmosphere, temperature, surface topology or the ecology of a planet moon or other body to be similar to the environment of earth to make it habitable by being earth-like yeah so yeah let's take a planet and make it earth 2 
essentially. Yeah, without all the people on it that are bad. All the bad people. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Uh, but then me. who's deciding who's the bad people, you know? Uh, consensus. A consensus, right. Yeah, we're going to have a consensus. Rigged. Of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> consensus of people. And they're going to inform everybody else. It'll be like the Eurovision Song Contest. You you can't vote for yourself. <laughs> you can only vote for other people. Yeah. Good or bad. It's the only time you'll hear Azerbaijan. Always, always, always quite funny. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> you've got someone who whole... doesn't actually watch yeah. the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, oh, okay. So, random. yeah, yeah. It's like when you watch the scoring and you'd be like, ah, the former Republic of Herzegovina. I, I don't actually know what the actual apologies to people that live in that country but i can't remember what it is but it's like the only time you'll ever hear it and you're like oh yeah that that's that there that's there that is there yeah. that is a country the, the only reason that the eurovision song contest came to my mind is because i went to the country that won it yesterday for oh, okay san marino just up the road half an hour drive an entire country on a hill it's a bit weird the whole country's on a hill the entire country is on a rock. It All takes countries about... are on rocks. Come on, come on mate. Okay, yeah. So like a rock that you can see. <laughs> like when I go to oh, work, okay. I look on the horizon and there's a few towers on like a distant... Like it's a mountain, but it's like the rest of it's fallen away. So it's just that bit. Okay. And uh, it's an entire country you're looking at. Oh. Yeah. Took about half an hour to walk around the castle. <laughs> Or the, the like the historic like the, like side the, of the things. Whole, the whole town. It took me half an hour to walk around the whole country. Yeah, yeah, Very small. pretty much. Oh, that's what I nearly said, but then there is they have expanded a bit at the bottom of the uh, the mountain. Oh, is it they are they reclaiming land? No, it's just where uh, it, it like that's still within the, the province. Let's say because it used to be a, a province of Italy that just decided not to become part of Italy when every other province did. So that's why it's so small. That's fair. Like, let's be honest, um, who, wants, who wants to be part of Italy? I know, right? Who would want that? That's not where the cool kids are. No, none of them. Great limoncello, though. Man, you love your limoncello. Well, when you go to another country, you have to sample their wares. <laughs> <laughs> what, every Friday? Yeah. yeah every Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to treat yourself. Look, if you don't have these <laughs> things to look forward to, yourself. how do you get through the week? Yeah, yeah, I often say that. I have to say that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, enough about my problem. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, Friday limoncello problems. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I looked a bit at, like, where it had come from, the history. Oh, same. But not... But in a non-fiction sense. Rather than, like, actual scientific research. Oh, but, okay. So, like, pop culture. Yeah, because it was first use the term terraforming in a mm-hmm. science fiction novel called CT Shock came out around 1940. We're not actually sure. Um, but the concept's actually older than that. Oh, it's funny. There was these, a... These things. These things. Yeah, you're going to be like, oh, actually, Isaac Asimov invented it because he mentioned it in a footnote in one of his billion books. No, like, there oh, was a, a fiction article, I think, called First and Last Men by Olaf... Stapledon, where they modified Venus to become Earth-like after there was a war with the local Venetian inhabitants. What would you, what would you call people from Venus? 
I wasn't calling Venetians because no, Venetians that's, that's, exist. <laughs> yeah. 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 People from Venice are called Venetians. Uh, yeah. Venusians? Oh, Venusians sounds right because it's Mar- Martians. It's Martians, isn't it? Yeah. Earth. Earthlings? Earthens? No, Earthlings. Yeah, it's Earthlings. So. You can add links to it or you can add someone else. Let's go with Venusians for now. And uh, we'll, we'll just put it on the fridge. We'll come back to that one. <laughs> we'll come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a more recent example that a lot of people know about, it's quite, this one is quite popular, um, is a Mars trilogy by Kim Stanley Robinson. And there's three volumes to this that are called The Red Planet, The Green Planet, and The Blue Planet, where, as you can imagine... It starts off as a desert, yeah. forest, mm-hmm. then ocean. And this book series actually inspired the quasi-official Martian flag. There's three vertical stripes that go red, green, blue. Okay, yeah. So it's been adopted by many people, and it's been on uh, one of the NASA's rovers. But it's okay. not like an official flag of Mars. But I think if we had to have one, that's what would be adopted. At least for now. It'll be that or SpaceX, I suppose, whoever goes there first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whoever gets there first gets to stake their claim. Yeah. Do they, though? Is that really how it works? No, Mm. because we think it falls under maritime international law. That's the only framework we have right now. Yeah, pirating. uh, Not every country has agreed to that being Mm. the same about space. Yeah. So, yeah. This is the return of the space <laughs> pirates. Uh, um, but yeah, well, what, do we, what did you look at then? If you looked at more the, the history side of things, the, the history of scholarly study. That's what I looked at. Oh, that's tasty. Yeah. So an actual scientist talking about it, not some, you know, some, some randomer. Oh yeah. The yeah. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because Go I, for it, mate. I don't, like, Lay I, the knowledge I, on us. It's, it's one of those things. I still don't think like if you mention something in the book as like a story, you can claim that you discovered it or you came up with it. Like I think if you're doing scientific research or you write a scientific paper specifically looking at something, even if it's like an accident, you find something else, you can then claim that you came up with it. For sure. And I don't think these people are claiming, and it's never said this person discovered it. It was more the concept of terraforming does go back to before the 1940s, was my point. It's, it's not that a certain person discovered it or created the idea. It's just, it's been floating around a while, uh, the idea, even before, you know, we'd been to space. Slow enough, poppycock. <laughs> All right. Right. So the, the first... I think article that was published was by an, the astronomer Carl Sagan, the one and only, uh, and he wrote an article proposing the planetary engineering of Venus. Yeah. So he imagined seeding the atmosphere of Venus with algae, which could which would convert the water and nitrogen and carbon dioxide into organic compounds. And as this process removed carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, the greenhouse effect would be reduced until surface temperatures dropped to comfortable levels, in brackets, livable, 
the resulting carbon would be incinerated by the high surface temperature of Venus and thus be sequestered in the form of graphite or other volatile forms of carbon. So uh, that's pretty handy. Yeah, but this was he was making this based on uh, what we thought about Venus at the time. Because right. then later discoveries about the actual conditions on Venus made like this particularly impossible. Um, as one problem is the, the clouds of Venus are composed of highly concentrated sulfuric acid, which I don't think at the time we knew. Um, oh, so, yes. Not very good for the algae, that. No, it's not. It's not. But then again, he visualized in 1973 a habitable Mars. Uh, and three years later, NASA addressed the issue of planetary engineering officially in a study, but used the term planetary ecosynthesis instead. I mean, that sounds fancier. It does. It sounds a lot better than terraforming. And the study concluded that it was possible for Mars to support life and be made into a habitable planet. The first conference session on terraforming, then referred to as planetary modelling, was organised the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So 1973 was when the first conference was, uh, was had on terraforming. Okay. And that's like the weird thing, right? Like it is fiction, but it's also not. I feel like we're in this weird kind of crossovery period <laughs> where it's becoming less and less of like an obscurity. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Go go for it. No, 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 it's it's right because they're like now we've got SpaceX that's actually looking at how to do it and has the ability to do it currently. So it's a weird yeah. weird thing. I feel like if you'd like said, oh, yeah, I'm going to research terraforming back in the 60s or maybe even 70s, people just look at you like, what, what? You'd get mm -hmm. no funding, nothing. Whereas now, you're probably not as weird yeah. to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then along in the timeline, 1979, the NASA engineer and author James Oberg organized the first terraforming colloquium Colloquium, yes, colloquium. A special session at the Lunar and Planetary Science Conference in Houston. Uh, he popularized the term and concepts at the colloquium uh, to the general public in his book New Earths. So, if you want like a proper thing, like when was it first written properly into a book? That's what you want to look at. So, New Earths by James Oberg. And then, not until 1982 was the word terraform used in the title of a published journal article uh, where a planetologist called Christopher McKay wrote Terraforming Mars, a paper for the Journal of the British Interplanetary Society, where the paper discussed the prospects of a self-regulating Martian biosphere. Uh, and McKay's use of the term has since become the preferred term, which is a shame because planetary e <laughs> ecosynthesis is much better. Uh, yeah, it does sound cool, but uh, yeah, it'd be weird to try and petition to change it now, I guess. Everyone knows what the terraforming is, I think. There's an immediate image there. Whereas planetary ecosynthesis, you might lose some people yeah, on your way to finishing the, yeah. the sentence. So Then later in 1984, James Lovelock and Michael Alibi published The Greening of Mars, uh, it was a book to first describe a novel method of warming Mars where 
chlorofluorocarbons, CFCs, are added to the atmosphere. Okay, that's what they banned here in the 70s? Yeah. So all the aerosols used to have these chlorofluorocarbons in it and just completely destroying the, the, the ozone. Yeah, but if you want to intentionally do it, <laughs> use yeah. it. Like, yeah, for sure, 100%. Great way to do it. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't support that here. Well, you can go do it on Mars. That's great. Yeah. Maybe if the the science holds true to this day. Yep. Then motivated by Lovelock's book, uh, biophysicist Robert Haynes worked behind the scenes to promote terraforming and contributed to the neologism ecopersesis, forming word from Greek. Uh, you know what? House and production. So, ecopostasis refers to the origin of an ecosystem. In the context of space exploration, Haynes describes ecopostasis. What a <laughs> stupid word. I've Eco, not even heard of this. It's E C O P O I E S S. So, S I S. Ecoposis. Ecoposis? Like that. Yeah, Eco- like that. Poesis, maybe? Eco, okay, ecopoesis as the fabrication of a sustainable ecosystem on a current lifeless sterile planet. Uh, Ed Fogg defined ecopsis as a type <laughs> of planetary engineering is one of the first stages of terraformation. So this primary stage of ecosystem creation is usually restricted to the initial seeding of microbial life. So yeah. And then a, a 2019 opinion piece by Lopez uh, reintroduce microbiology as a necessary component of any possible colonization strategy based on the principles of microbial symbiosis and their beneficial ecosystem service is so saying okay. like we need it yeah like essentially that is needed like we we've understood that our ecosystems and kind of planet is built off the microbial landscape so it kind yeah. of makes sense to just go to another planet and trigger it there yeah. That's cool. Very cool. All is right. It? Yeah. No, it is. It's very much is. Yeah. Especially the, it's a very good like idea, like uh from a like a biological point of view, to kind of mm. go and seed a planet from e- you're picking a destination and going, okay, this is where we want to be, and then you go and you're going, okay. Instead of just kind of waiting for life to spontaneously happen, which it may never do anyway, we're just going to skip the waiting and put microbes there and then just kind of cultivate it. Here's some that I produced earlier. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Give the planet Blue Peter badge. Is that still going? (laughs) Blue Peter? I have no idea. I really have no idea. That's some British childhood... Blue Peter. Um, I just typed in Blue Peter. It says it's present. So oh, 1958 it's died. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, if you don't know what Blue Peter is, uh, you're not British. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably for the best. No, it was all right. It was one of those like, kind of arty and crafty, keep your kids entertained for half an hour show. Yeah. Uh, information. That's kind of, it's like a broaden your mind type type thing um yeah i think it's a super cool idea 
uh, definitely in concept. So it'll be interesting to see what you have done and um, what you talked about last week. What you teased us last week, even, I should say. Hey, that sounds that sounds not like me. Not like you at all. You tease me, you. <laughs> um, so what we essentially did is looked at the pers- perspective targets within our solar system. So, you know, Mars, Venus, Mercury, the moon, Earth. We'll come on to Earth at the end because that's a bit of a curveball. Terraforming yeah. Earth. Well, we talked about it. That's essentially last week's episode. So yeah. we'll come on to that a little bit. Yeah. So Mars. In many respects, Mars is one of the most Earth-like planets in our solar system. And it's often thought that Mars once had a more Earth-like environment early in its histories with a thicker atmosphere and abundant water that was lost over the course of hundreds of millions of years. Recently proven, was it? I think it was proven before, but there was like empirical evidence now. Okay, from... I, d- I never caught that it was actually proven, just that's the, little, the latest hypothesis. Mm. Yeah, no, I think but they I could like, be wrong there. With the new rover that's going around, the, he found some. Ah. Oh. Good for him. What a lad, yeah. What an, what an absolute champion. What um, a dude. what a dude what an absolute dude dude. Uh, that's a throwback to Uh, some other episodes yeah for you keen listeners there what an absolute dude what a dude dude. yeah sorry i didn't mean to distract you there that's my bad carry carry on full thrown me off uh thrown you off the track What a dude. So, yeah, the exact mechanism of the loss of this water is still unclear. We don't know. Um, but there's three mechanisms that they think is likely. The first, uh, when surface water is present, carbon dioxide reacts to the, with rocks to form carbonates, thus drawing atmosphere off and binding it to the planetary surface. So on Earth, this process is counteracted when plate tectonics work to cause volcanic eruptions that vent carbon dioxide back into the atmosphere. On Mars, the lack of such tectonic activity could have worked to prevent the recycling of gases locked up in sediment. Therefore, the atmosphere is just flown off into space. Right. So this is like, here are the reasons of what happened and how we can like flip it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. The second is the lack of a magnetosphere around Mars may have allowed the solar winds to gradually erode the atmosphere. I've, this is one that I've seen more and I've seen a video on it where it like the, yeah. the, the solar winds just like pulled it off. So convections within the core of Mars, which is made mostly of iron, originally generated a magnetic field. However, the dynamo ceased to function years ago and the magnetic field of Mars has largely just disappeared. Um, and then due to the loss of core heat, solidification of the core, um, changes the mantle convection regime. Uh, it's pretty much just because of that, it gets blown off. And then the final one, so thirdly, approximately between 4.9 to 3.8 billion years ago, an asteroid impact during the late heavy bombardment could have caused significant changes to the surface environment, uh, which can then just like it never recovered from. So along with like the impacts it could have ejected much of the martian atmosphere deep into space 
Right. Which makes sense, right? If it's held on by gravity and yeah. that gravity is kind of shifted by a large impact. Yeah. The biggest okay. of impacts. Mm-hmm. So uh, terraforming Mars would entail two major interlace changes, uh, building the atmosphere and then heating it. So a thicker atmosphere of greenhouse gases, such as carbon dioxide, would trap incoming solar radiation. And because the raised temperature would add greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, the two processes would, would augment each other. The carbon dioxide alone would not suffice to sustain the temperature above the freezing point of water. So a mixture of specialized greenhouse gases molecules might need to be manufactured. So that's, you know... You've got this, but you need to also introduce other greenhouse gases that we have here. Okay. Okay. Which makes sense, right? I mean, the uh, composition we have here, you'd want to try and recreate somewhere else. Yeah, that's the whole terraforming thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> somewhere that we can we can live and find. Because then, we did it full circle. <laughs> yeah, because eventually. Well, the thing is, would there be? Is there enough? You don't know. This is the thing. There may be water underground, like frozen underground lakes. So if we then heat this up, it then can bring the water because of convection to the surface and then, you know, have some weird life and create Martians. For sure. And also the, by having an atmosphere, I mean, especially with the composition of ours, is one of the benefits is it holds so much water, right? And it cycles the water around the planet. So that's why, you know, it evaporates in the oceans and then it rains in other places so you'd also imagine especially if he brought fauna and flora that more water would be mm-hmm. put into the system than is already there i think we would need more water than is on the planet currently yeah fauna and flora yes the best kinds the bffs what's that mean best fauna and flora Oh wow! Yeah, sometimes, some I wish I was as smart as you. It's quick, quick, quick. It's honestly a curse, mate. It <laughs> your, is a what curse. Your, what your lateral thinking is is a curse. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then we've got uh, Venus. A bit more difficult. Uh, you'd have to have, Yeah, you'd have to have two major changes. Uh, the first one would be removing most of the planet's dense carbon dioxide atmosphere. And then reducing the planet's temperature, which is currently currently set at a cool 450 degrees Celsius. That's 842 Fahrenheit for our American audience. Um, Bit toasty, that. It is, yeah. So essentially, the the solving the, the problems are very closely mixed. You just have to sequester the atmospheric carbon because that would solve the atmosphere and also solve the temperature because the temperature is caused by the carbon. Oh, okay. It's not caused by being much closer to the sun. Venus? Yeah. Bit of both. But most of it's caused because, yeah, there's more heat because it's closer, but then it's also stuck there because of the carbon dioxide. Okay. I guess you'd have to try and remove the sulfur as well, or would that kind of be solved with the removal of the carbon? Yes. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. everyone's walking around in hazmat suits, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's the only safe way of doing it. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Next, we've got uh, Mercury, which, you know what? We're not going to do. Oh. It's too hot, mate. It's too hot. hot. Yes, too hot. What if that's just another problem you have to solve? Yeah, but we'll just do like the... Stick a constantly (laughs) active volcano on, right? Yeah, okay. Put yourself in a nuclear winter. At the same time, use that to widen the orbit of Mercury. Yeah. So that it's less hot. Right, okay. Maybe that's just too much effort. Yeah, I think that's too much. I think I think that's a bit too into deep. Because I don't think yeah. like changing. Gotta imagine the soil's it. pretty mangled at this point. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it's not a case of like change because that's that's more than terraforming. Right. That's, well, because you're not just changing like you know the the ground or anything on the on the planet. You're actually moving the whole planet. You are, but in order to, with the end goal mm-hmm. of modifying the planet to make a more habitable atmosphere, temperature or ecology, right? Does moving its position within its relative star system not count as modifying it? Ooh, yeah, I don't know, because that's like... Because I would say its orbit is quite integral. That's intergalactic engineering then, not just like... I mean, that's a phrase. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. If, if, uh, do you know what? In our, in our lifetime, I hope somebody holds that as a job title. I'm an intellectual engineer. Yes. That'd be incredibly cool. If the, you the want, main, mate, okay. I can announce you as an intergalactic engineer. <laughs> Introduce me to your friends. Yes. As an okay, engineer. I will. That'd be great if you could. And then you don't have to worry about introducing yourself. Yeah. You were like, <laughs> this is my friend. He's an intergalactic I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yes. Maybe you should just introduce yourself as that. And then there's no worries about <laughs> so what do you do? The, wow. the I am or anything like that. Because you're too focused on the intergalactic engineer. Thing. Yeah. Just be one of those people that my job is now my name and my business. <laughs> to be honest, uh yeah, that sounds pretty solid. Yeah. Sorry, I derailed again. You did derail, derail, but it's fine. It's fine. So the, the issue of okay, the main issue of Mercury is that you'd you'd have to so to get an atmosphere on Mercury, you would need 3.5 times, I think it's like 100, no, 1,017 kilograms of water. So you'd have to deliver that. Right. Like, to Mercury. And then it evaporates anyway, right? Yes, but that's fine. Because, because it would of, stay in on around the planet. Yeah. Okay. Because you you combine it with then like because I think the the, the makeup of Mercury has like um, the right nitrogen. Uh, actually, no, it doesn't have. I think nitrogen is the one it doesn't have, but it's like it, it's got the right oxygen and hydrogen molecules for like that to happen. Okay. Um, you just have to add nitrogen to like get the presence of other things in the in the atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> this research and it said temperature management may not be required despite an equilibrium average of 159 Celsius. There exists three 
is this millions of square meters at the poles with an average temperature of zero to 50 Celsius. So okay. an, an area the size of Mexico at each pole with habitable temperatures. So the total habitable area is likely to be even larger given that the before mentioned photo catalyst dust, which is the dust that has got the oxygen and hydrogen molecules on it, would raise the albedo that we talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know what that is, from 0.12 to 0.6, lowering the global average temperature to tens of degrees and potentially increasing the habitable area even more so. So, yeah. And then That's tem- wild. Yeah. It is a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking about this when I was doing uh, the research. Like, what if you find a habitable planet and you can't, let's say, transport your material further? Uh, mm-hmm. This has to be the planet or you're looking for the best. You come to a system and you have to do it in this system, but there's no like optimal planet where yeah. like surely like some polar regions would be better or maybe just around the equator yeah. would be better for some other places or say it's tidally locked like the moon is to us. So yes. only one face faces the, the central star. Mm-hmm. Then like around the outside of the planet would be best because one side is going to be constantly heated the other side constantly cold so you'd have like an equilibrium like a band around the uh the planet in the middle where the temperature would be okay yeah uh but i guess it would just be constantly daytime and constantly night yeah you're looking at like in a an alaska yeah <laughs> north pole-esque thing but even when you think about Earth, right, it's not 100% habitable. Like our polar regions are pretty difficult for humans to survive in without serious amount of equipment, mm-hmm. right, for extended periods. Also, we have the, you know, savannah, uh, Sahara, and the, like, the Atacama, where it's really hard to survive in. Yeah. So even Earth isn't 100% habitable. Oh, yeah, but if you... I say that's what you mean. But like a lot of those places, like if... We just did like a phoenix, like what they got in Phoenix, where they got the, the water irrigation and did something ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's you don't have to terraform to live there. Okay, yeah, but you that's know. pretty cool. Okay, yeah. Yeah. the yeah. argument actually is on a flip that a few people think that Mercury may be actually the fastest, not the easiest, the fastest celestial body to ter- uh, terraform. Given well, that, that stands to reason, given what you've said. Yeah, given. It has a thin but breathable atmosphere with survivable pressures. It also has a strong magnetic field uh, with at least a small percentage of its land actually being at survivable temperatures. Um, so provided the water content was kept low enough to avoid a runaway greenhouse effect. Otherwise, yeah, you'd be doomed. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, maybe that's a contender then. Yeah. Another contender. What if I say that? I never. He keeps doing. My head is in a very musical mood at the moment. That's great. Yeah. I don't if know you why. just want to pop off on karaoke at some point, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to people. I cannot karaoke. I was we'll make a jingle out of it. Ridiculous karaoke memory. Uh. It was about drinking one night, and next door we were to a, to a con club, which is, as it kind of 
Conversial? I can't remember what it is. It's a very British thing. Right. But I can't remember what the, what the whole thing is. Um, Conservative Club is what it is. Okay. Also known as Con Club. Uh, but it's essentially you have to have a, like a membership to get in and they serve really cheap alcohol, but it's like bought from macros kind of like stuff. Uh, uh, and they were having a karaoke store an evening next to the pub. And we went to the pub drinking, went next door, and we're all fairly drunk. And one of my friends just stands up and says, oh, yeah, I've got a good one. I've got a good idea. And we're like, right, okay, you, you go pick a song. And I'm pretty, he picked Meatloaf as okay. a karaoke song. I was like, oh, picked an easy one then, mate. <laughs> Like, yeah, 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 and then he got up on stage, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, come up, come up." I was like, "I'm not singing Battle for Hell. It's just notoriously difficult. <laughs> I'm not singing that." Oh, I just don't do karaoke, to be honest. Not very often. No, no, not a, not a fan. I it just doesn't exist here. It's weird. The only place I've I've seen it exist in Bournemouth when I was in university. There was like okay, legit... we definitely have it down like in Devon. We have it. It's quite a bit. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a touristy or just a, I don't know, drunk Devon thing. Let's go karaoke. <laughs> Let's go karaoke. Yeah. All right. Um, big in, have big you got in, any uh, more? Big, big in Japan. Yeah, big in Japan. Uh, uh, have I've you got, got any more planets, yeah, man, targets, the, opportunities? Got, I've got the moon and the earth. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hit us with that. So, moon. Uh, although the moon's gravity is too low to hold an atmosphere for geological spans of time, so that's like millions and millions of years, uh, if Given one by humans and terraforming, it would retain it for spans of time that are long enough compared to the human lifespan. So okay. we, as a human race, we could survive if we decided to give it an atmosphere, but it wouldn't last forever. Okay, it would be like, ah, okay, oh, the, the atmosphere on the moon's leaking again. We need to top it up. Yeah, so essentially that could be <laughs> the case. Yeah, it's like the ice cube in the, the sea from the future. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a video on TikTok. Uh, it's a bunch of ecology videos with people that I follow. Um, and they were like throwing things into the water. I'm like, what are they doing? Turns out they were, they weren't throwing, because I thought they were throwing ice into the sea. And I was like, Wait, am I, is this a future arm episode? Like what's going on? And it was actually, they were throwing rocks to destroy trawler nets that scrape the bottom of the floor, the sea floor. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently the whole thing was they were they, they got they got taken to court by the fishermen, by a governmental body who was trying to sue right. them for the destruction. And then the judge immediately threw it out like, no, what you're doing is ecologically impacting, so you shouldn't be doing it. And they can do what they want because, you know, you don't own the sea floor. So yeah, yeah they and then so, you know, they kept doing it. <laughs> <laughs> they got taken to court and they went straight back out and kept doing it but the, the fishermen aren't, haven't changed anything so of course issues. not and also they're, they're granted um, special trawling lines and they should go over the, the same lot but of course they don't because the trawling lines absolutely destroy the seabed 
Yeah. And after doing it a few times, there's not, there's nothing there. So of course they end up moving. Um, but like the ecological impact assessments that are done are always kind of bad, but swayed in terms of this is the impact it's going to have. How are you going to kind of, you know, minimize that? Mm. Because at the same time, it's weighed against their livelihood. And I could go on about this for way too long. <laughs> um, yeah, again, Fisherman. politics, but it's very interesting um, how it's all done. Yeah. Fisher people, is it now? Is that the correct uh, thing we should be saying? Because the type of people that fishermen are, they don't really care, I don't think. They don't care enough. Well, the, that's hard, true. the hardy kind of people that would be like, yeah, just call me a fisherman. Yeah, the people who hang up their English Red Cross flags in their garden. <laughs> <laughs> um Jeez. Right. I've talked to multiple people since we had that conversation about like the what's the actual name of the flag? Saint Saint um, George's Cross. Yeah, the Saint George's Cross. And how like there's just inherent if you see it in someone like brandishing it, it's just like unless there's like a football final going on, and yeah. it's just like inherent you're a racist. <laughs> yeah, so it, I don't think we've had this conversation on the podcast no, for no, anyone no, who's no, listening. No, no, no this, um, is, this is th- this there's is like a general one. conception, at least in my point of view, that when you see someone brandishing the in- England's flag, so the St. George's Cross. Yeah, that's the red and white, not the yeah, blue. Not, not the Union uh, flag. But uh, it basically, my immediate thought is, oh, they're racist. Which is ridiculous. But I, th- I think it's, it's so, not so, wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah, a lot, a lot of our pop culture references and a lot of things that are related to the flag, because there's no other things related to the flag really that get used is always like, I can't remember what the show's called. I was going to call it Little Britain, but that's completely different. Um, yeah. But like, it, it gets used a lot. And it's just like, yeah, that is this. And it's weird because it's like, if there's ever anybody from the UK who has like this national pride, you there's just like this, again, this inherent like, oh, there must be... <laughs> something else going on there. There's something else going on, yeah. I don't think, I think like... Some people, you, you can be nationalistically proud, but to the point of where you're waving a flag about it, that's where I think because us British people are very closed. Yeah. Know, uh, we're very kind of secretive, especially with our polit- political views and uh, how na- nash- nationally proud we are. So when yeah. we see someone waving a flag, we're like, oh, they're a mad one. Yeah. I think that's where it comes from. Whereas other countries are very open about you know, it's okay to be nationalistic without, you know, yeah, being like, racist. Like, I, like, there's a lot of America and Americans that, like, that's, it's not weird to see an American, like, proud in their country and, like, saluting the flag and, like, taking respect. Like, respect. like if, if a UK, I'm sure this is probably just a trope, but, like, if a UK flag dropped on the floor, a lot of people wouldn't give a shit. Whereas, like, yeah. that, that scene is, like, not a done thing. For to sure. like the American flag, yeah, the red, white, and blue. Let's go. Um, so yes, it's a. But also, the racists do fly the flag in America as well. So I kind of have that. Yeah, but they just openly fly the other flag, <laughs> which is absolute madness. Yeah, 
and wear white pointy hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. No, they don't wear white pointy hats. I, I believe it's like they wear police uniforms. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're going to go no, it's not. It's they wear red hats that have yeah, MAGA yeah, yeah, on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're trying to make something great again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Bloody hell. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before we get death threats in the mail. <laughs> I've never had um, a death threat. Oh, have you not? No, mate. Never have one. Are you sure you played in a Modern Warfare Two COD lobby? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like a pro- <laughs> I mean, like a proper one. Having like well, that's, that's some- what was, that's, when that happens, we know we've made it. Yeah, having a ten-year-old scream that he's gonna f my mum, you know, doesn't really <laughs> like doesn't so worry that's me that much. Info Entropy Pod, <laughs> <laughs> so that we can say we've made it. Please, we don't advocate for this. Doing no, that no, no, makes we don't. You please, please the, do not. The worst kind of human being. Yeah, you're just an asshole. There's just absolutely no need for it. A bit of insulting um, to assholes because they got uses. So, Ooh, hey, Ooh, hey. <laughs> All right, let's let's pull this back on track. We've derailed here slightly, and it was probably my fault. Um, mm. There is an alternative to terraforming. No, it's not. Don't lie to me. Oh, well, I'm going to explain a couple and you can tell me okay, whether I'm yeah, right sure or wrong. Right. Yeah, go for it. One of them is to modify humans. Oh, yeah, we talked about yeah, Instead, yeah, yeah. and this is obviously, this comes down to CRISPR and genome editing, which radical obviously is ethically dubious, Dubie. to say the least. Yeah. But uh, we can come on to that in a separate episode because that we will be here for hours otherwise. Um, basically, some examples could be to modify humans to survive better in colder or hotter temperatures. Mm-hmm. Both is probably not easy and probably unnecessary, right? Uh, survive in a lower O2 rich environment. Because if you're terraforming somewhere, it may be hard to balance the atmosphere, but to have the right amount of O2, or it may be cheaper it to just modify the humans so that they don't need as much oxygen. Put me in a robot. Put you in a robot. Yeah. Like a magic melon being put into a robot. <laughs> yeah. One person will get that if they, if yeah. they listen. One yeah. person. A single individual um, will understand that. A D&D reference. Yeah, one person. So God, if <laughs> See, you're listening. Even, even the world realms of D&D, it's an obscure reference. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I'm thinking one person of, in particular... Mm. May, may understand that um surviving in lower or higher gravity environments so if you've seen the expanse oh yes which is based on you know as as far as we know so far the people who live in low gravity environments are taller they're very brittle bones you mentioned was it last episode or a couple of episodes ago about bringing those spaces that i think they're called onto earth is like a form of torture yeah they, can't they, handle they, the they, gravity. Do they do it on the show they think someone's a spy they think all martians are spies because you know they're racist uh, um earthists yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um well they'd be, be xenophobic but um because <laughs> it's from <laughs> oh it's xenophobic's different countries isn't it i don't know yeah yeah no, it particularly is. no mate uh um, but yeah they they use it because they're like you can't we don't we don't like your no we don't like your camera around here and then because they just stand him up against the wall and just leave him there yeah hooks under the arms so he can't escape yeah and uh, that's all they needed so basically the point here is that obviously you can modify the humans or give them equipment like eva suits hazmat suits as we dis- discussed earlier breathing equipment if you can't get the uh 
atmosphere perfectly breathable but in all other cases it's okay it may actually be cheaper or easier just to modify the humans genetically or with technology rather than terraform the planet completely mm-hmm. and it may even be like a phased in thing like okay as the atmosphere is changing uh but we want to get you there now we're just going to change you a little bit or give you equipment that you can wear for a few generations. Because yeah. I don't think we spoke about the timescale of terraforming yet, which is millennia or centuries, even if it's kickstarted. So it's not something that's going to happen in, you know, a hundred years. It's at least thousands. At least, at least with the current technology that we have. Um, yeah. And the other option is para-terraforming. Right. Did you see this? No. So para-terraforming, or also called the world house concept, it basically involves building a habitable enclosure on the planet. And then bit by bit, you expand out this habitable enclosure until most of the planet's usable area is in an enclosure. So if you think about some super sci-fi Martian bubble. Yeah. It's essentially like that. That would cover the entirety of Mars. And it's theorized that the enclosure would consist of a transparent roof held one or more kilometers above the surface, pressurized with a breathable atmosphere, and anchored with tension towers and cables at regular intervals. It's similar to yeah, the domed habitats that you, you know, quite a sci-fi trope in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. And there are some advantages to this in the fact that once you go there to a planet, say you go to Mars and you set up a dome, it's yeah. immediate, right? You're getting immediate return on investment there. Like people can go and move to Mars immediately yeah. and it can house people. And maybe the people, if you need people on the planet to oversee the terraforming to actually be there, they, they are there already. Like you don't need to keep shipping them on and off. Do you know what's really funny? It just reminded me uh, to play a game. It's the, surviving that, Mars. Yeah, surviving Mars. Yeah. Is it surviving Mars? Yeah, surviving Mars. Terraforming Mars. It's surviving Mars with the domes, and you build. Yeah. you start off with a yeah, small dome, it. and then you you build up to a bigger dome. And you have research domes, and like you got like a family dome where people oh, live. Okay, I think I've got that on my Steam list, and I've never played it. Have you not, mate? It's really, really good. Really yeah, good. I think as it involves downloading. <laughs> that is true. That is and, true. And uh, I'm currently on just hotspotting. Yeah. Until nice. for two more days. And two then I get internet days. back. Nice. Yeah, you, you, yes. set, you set up like a whole uh, society. You start with like a Diddy Dome. Like the Doug's Dimmer Doug Dome. Dimmer Dome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so stupid. So stupid. Doug's Dimmer Dome. Yeah, Doug's Dimmer Dome. Oh, wow. You start off. With I haven't that. actually thought about fairly old parents in years until that do, one specific moment. Do you know what was a massive revelation on the recent one of the recent episodes, which is ridiculous that I I know this. Um, the had a revelation that Timmy actually and this will blow some people's minds. Timmy made uh, a secret wish at the start of the series that everybody would stay the same age, and that's the reason why no, they haven't aged over time. Oh no! And it was revealed in one of the latest episodes that he actually like went to court, like very court, and found out that 
yeah, everyone found out that like he had made a wish for no one to age, and that's why like even though we're ten years later, Timmy's still the kid. So he didn't wish to have fairy old parents forever. He wished that everybody in the universe would stay the same age without anybody knowing. That was the big well, that's like wild. Absolutely. Honestly, a really, really good way for them to try and continue that series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you start off with a small dome and then you can get like bigger domes, triangular domes, which is weird to say <laughs> a triangular dome. But it, when you see it, it makes like 100% sense. But then you've got like, like a pyramid. Yeah, but it's not because it's curved. Okay. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So imagine it doesn't go to a point. It goes up then back down, but in like a nice, a nice arc. Um, okay but then you've got things like energy you've got gas you got waste that you need to take care of like when you get to a certain stage you can import more people from earth you can sell things back to earth there's like martian quakes okay that sounds pretty that sounds pretty cool i'll have to check that out yeah big big like resource thing like making like automate uh automating things with robots you need to get food how do you keep people healthy that kind of stuff I'm definitely going to name it the Dimmer Dome, though. Doug's Doug Dimmer Dome. <laughs> Dimmer Dome. Yeah, I think you should. Um, and the last possibility, and this is kind of my own interpretation of this, is if you did build this kind of habitat all the way around a, a planet, right? Yeah. You have this controlled atmosphere that's exactly as you want. What if you just took the roof off? Because I'm imagining. Like, if you did it properly, you had, like, forest areas, ocean areas. Like, you actually have actual biomes, and it's just one continuous I think the issue, I think the issue you'd have is the vacuum of space. <laughs> I, I guess. But I was kind of hoping, like, the, the gravity would contain the atmosphere around nah, that you've built up. Nah, because even partial vacuums, the way that it works, the gas would try and fill the space. Yeah. So it would just be like, like releasing a balloon. That's why they have to That's be domes. True. They have to be domes because domes are like the safest shape, the, the structural structural integrity. Oh, right. Yeah, because it has the great the outside. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But maybe if you you've got these habitats, you might be working on actually terraforming the planet at the same time. Yeah. So that humanity is stuck you a, in a dome a, a forever. Base. Yeah, it gives you a base to start terraforming. Oh, it, this this is in the game, is it? No, 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 no. But I'm saying, oh, like, right. in, in, in real life, it okay, would give yeah, you, I got you my a, wires crossed there. Yeah, a great way to start terraforming. All right, um, and that's very quickly alternatives to terraforming. So modifying humans and just building domed structures around. Just create sand and pair, and then be fine. Well, that's true. That's another option. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we we get there, and it turns out it's just. Sandworms. Oh, like Dune. Like Dune, like Arrakis, which also has a game coming out. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Uh, have we seen much of it other than a... Yeah, they released an actual, like, m- more more details to it. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, but I just, I don't know what it is about the Dune franchise. I just can't get into it. And I'm just like, you could say I was just a franchise. You're too cool for school. No, it's just dry. <laughs> It is, man. <laughs> that is, yeah, well, well played. Yeah, well played. Yeah, yeah. But the rings of power, though. Woo! 
Oh, that is some tasty business. Yeah, if anyone hasn't decided uh, big to, fan. to start watching uh, Rings of Power, missing out, missing out, actually get on board. I'm, I'm sure when it ends and we just want to talk about it for an episode, we can do like the science of... Oh, yeah. Like Middle Earth. Middle Earth. It's funny. Science of Middle Earth. <laughs> Grace watched the first, I think she watched the first episode when she, when she finished, like, I'm going to have to get, like, a map up and do some research because I can't remember Middle Earth and, like, um, Valinor being on the left and, like, where everything is. They, they do introduce, I think, a few different places that aren't really on the old uh, Middle Earth. Maps. They do, but also in the Second Age, the regions are called different things. Yes. Because So, like, you don't have... They... Uh, oh. Because they they introduced a place that sounded a bit like Rohan and looked like Rohan, yeah, exactly. but wasn't Rohan yet. Um, yeah, exactly. And yeah, but they call it they called Lightfoots, aren't they? Who? Uh, they're not hobbits because people have been like, they're oh, they're halffoots. Hob- yeah, halffoots. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's. Oh no, I said Lightfoots because they're like <laughs> um, they're hobbits. I'm like, no, they're not hobbits because the hobbits are what they turn into after. That's what they. Evolving into no, they're, they're like because uh, currently they're travelers. They're and hobbits. a breed of hobbits. Yeah, because they split into three groups, I think, from my memory. Of. Yeah, the halfits, the stores, and the phalahides. Yes. Yeah. If you read the book, it's the first chapter. It's all about the hobbits, isn't it? I always forget the first chapter. Yeah, of the book it, yeah, it is about, actually. It's all about I, the different types it, of hobbits. It, it still blows my mind that that's Lenny Henry. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. just didn't see it until. Didn't see it, but yeah. but because I tried it because someone's like, um, "Why is Lenny Henry doing like uh, an African twang to his accent, and why is the people some of them sound Irish?" And I was like, "Because they're good. they're probably going to be the different groups like that go off because oh, they're, tra- right. they're they're full travelers at, at this point, and then they yeah. split and they go into their different respective because there's." Because if you look at the groups, one of the the groups down the line of um, the different hobbits, they go and they're like tinkerers. Yeah, hobbits are the first of the three hobbit groups, according to the Silmarillion. It says here. Yeah, because because one of them become tinkerers and they go out into the world. One of them become hobbits and they stay in one place. So if you watch when they're in like their group, there's a group that are always like tinkering and making stuff. And then there's a group that wants to go out and do things. And there's others that want like her uh, stay, stay back. So yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to see what hobbits were before hobbits. Yeah, it's very cool. And I think they've done very well to keep it similar enough to what we want that we can immediately go, ah, oh, that's Lord of the Rings. Mm. Yep. Right, the aesthetic is absolutely Definitely. spot on, but we'll we'll see what happens with the material. <laughs> the material is that way you're you're worried about the story. Yeah, we'll see. I think it'll be okay. Uh, it seems to be set up all right at the minute. Some of the casting is a bit here or there. I'm not completely sold on Elrond. Um. And I've got mm-hmm. theories already about who the fallen man is. Yeah, same. Which didn't line up with people who I was speaking with about it over the yeah, past couple of days. People, because someone was someone said, "Ah, uh, he has to be evil." 
and gave a relatively good reason for it. And I was like, yes, although he doesn't have to be. I'm going to type to you who I think it is right now. Oh, okay. Um, and we'll gauge your reaction, but for that, that's who I think it is. Oh, see, I I thought it was one of his kind, but not him. Right. I think it is, and that's. But look, we're 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 rambling on the show here without giving actual <laughs> evidence. So we'll continue it's, this off air. Such a bad listening experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just cut that out I'm going to tell you something to you that none of the listeners is going to be able to hear or know. Yeah, I don't want to spoil uh, it for people who haven't seen it yet. That was, that was my issue. Um, yeah, because you, even if that's completely wrong, mm, it may lead people into thinking, uh, expecting something they're not getting. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we are well over the hour mark. So we, we will indeed. definitely come back and do the science of Middle Earth once the series is wrapped up, maybe. Yeah. Because um, it seems like even without research, we can talk about that for, <laughs> forever. Oh, yeah. So we'll, we'll come back and do that. If that sounds interesting, let us know. You can catch us on Twitter at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod. You can leave us a like, a rating, uh, a comment, depending on the directory you listen to. That would help us out absolutely massively. Mm-hmm. And let us know what mm-hmm. you thought of today's show, terraforming. What planet would you specifically in our solar system try and terraform? I think that would be interesting to find out. Yeah. So let us know. We have been the Information Entropy Podcast. Hopefully we've helped decrease some of the (laughs) entropy of the information in your lives when it comes to terraforming, if nothing else. And we will catch you guys next week. Shavna. Peace.